to Vismaski Classics podcast, Livinio to Levi. Vismaski Classics is the long distance ski championship with 12 pro tour events and 35 pro teams. Bringing professional and recreational skiers together. We will analyze the events on the tour, portray the legends of the sport and help you to become a better skier. Welcome to the Bismarck Ski Classics podcast, Living You to Levy. And this is the first episode of this wonderful series of podcasts. And we are here in Seefeld and we have just witnessed something amazing, truly great race, Kaiser Maximilian Lauf, which was the fourth states in the Bismarck Ski Classics Pro Tour. 60 kilometers of lots of action, great sights to see, and drama as always in Bismarck Ski Classics races. And we are here to analyze the race inside out we'll give you bits and pieces of the race and we dig a little bit deeper i am your host Teemu Virtanen and these proceedings and I have here Erik Wikström, a famous ski coach and a journalist from Sweden and we, Erik and I, have just finished commentating this race so we're still a little bit uh, flabbergasted by the excitement that we just witnessed and we have Magnar Dahlen here, of course, the director of the team Ragde Eijendom, a team that actually performed, would say quite well, at least we had uh, Andreas Nigord on the podium. But Erik, let's recap the, the race right from the beginning all the way to the end. And let's get started with the women first. It's a tough start of a race with some pretty big hills in the beginning. And we saw it, it the, the field spread out pretty directly. And uh, suddenly we had the, the three girls, Lina Korsgren, Britta johansson Norgren, and Astrid Edeslind. There were some problems with Astrid got something over her boot and lost some lost some time but then they continued up to the to the climb and Astrid could pretty easily get the first climbing points ahead of Britta and, and Lina and Lina made a really an interesting move bold move actually she decided to stay with the the lead group of the men and got a bit of a gap there or actually caught them that's true actually she suddenly decided to to catch him and which she did and stayed with them all the way through through the end of the valley and that remained like that all the way to the to the end so Lina Kuskren was the, the winner, followed by um, Britta Johansson-Nugren and then Astrid Öyre-Slind. But then, of course, the men's race. 15 minutes later, we had a little bit different action. Tiny, not really serious breakaway attempts. It was a Vestmagnus Vesteheim who actually got disqualified in today's race uh, for skating. Uh, then a couple other ones, Bob Impola and, and uh, Runar uh, Mathiesen. Those guys were... Pretty much in the lead. There was still a huge group going into the last climbs with a little less than 15k to go. And one of the favorites, the big favorites, Ermil Vukwev, he crashed and uh, he broke his pole, he lost his ski. And uh, yeah, they were guys keeping up the pace. And after that, it was all about positioning for the, for the sprint. And uh, we thought that Andreas Nigord could win it and we also knew 
Emil Passion has a great sprint, and it turned out that, that Emil was the faster sprinter. But we have Magna Dalen here, the team director at <coughs> Ragde Eiendom. Of course, I think for you, it's important to see uh, Andreas Nygård on the podium again. But yes. Yeah, we are very happy that he is on the podium. Uh, unfortunately, he lost his uh, finish to Emil, and uh, Emil really have improved himself and is climbing up to be one of the big favorites for the for the yellow jersey for uh, this season. And uh, that is good and fun that there is coming like new athletes climbing up to the to the top. So now we got a little bit of recap of the race from all of, all of us, uh, and but. Now, let's talk about the race itself in more detail. Let's kind of dig deep and, and find out greedy bits and things. And Mangle, it's good to have you here because you have the inside, not just the race, but the skiers. This is pretty much the beginning of the, not the beginning of the season, but the beginning of the year and the five long races back to back. Mm. This is what they call the January Madness, although it kind of leaks into the stretches, stretches into February because Yiserska uh, Baresatka is the, you know, the final race of this particular stretch. But if we start from the, from the beginning, conditions, let's, let's start from there. Um, was it pretty much, I mean, you guys did ski testing yesterday, but did it turned out to be maybe a little bit warmer, perhaps, or was it something you guys expected? Uh, yeah, it was a little bit warmer than um, than the weather forecast was telling, but I um, I think that didn't uh, affect uh, too much. What we could uh, see from from that today was that we had. Um, had uh, Team Ramudden with uh, two girls in first and fourth place. Uh, I think they had a big success with their skis today. They, it's uh, looking very good when they are skiing, and that is normally because the friction is uh, is not uh, not too high. Um, otherwise, it was quite similar in the in the group. Yeah. So, so uh, like, did you pick the skis that were the fastest yesterday? I mean, it was sunny yesterday and now it was cloudy. Do you still pick the same skis that were fast yesterday? It's a, it's a little bit up to, to each athlete. Uh, some are picking the same ski, some are taking the second pair from yesterday's test uh, and... Uh, um, so it's it's uh, variations in the, also in the different teams how to how to do this. And also a big question uh, in the women's race or the women's side of things was of uh, the kickwax. Some of them chose to go with kickwax, uh, some of them not. Of course, the men's race that wasn't a question at all. Did we did how, how much did that kind of play out? I mean, you also had uh, skiers in your team that were like contemplating the idea kind of both ways. Yeah, we had. Um, Thea Murud that was skiing with kickbox and she decided that quite early that uh, she had a bad day in uh, Valvenost and decided that next race she will go with kickbox and I think that was uh, successful with, uh, with, for, uh, for her. She improved the wrestles from uh, Valvenosta. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> most of the or the other top skiers didn't uh, take the the kickbox. We had some skiers uh, far behind top ten that was using kickbox. But uh, nowadays, if the track is not like extreme, like Reistalöp, um, it is the fastest to go with uh, without kickbox. Do so you think that next year no one's 
going to use kickbacks? I, I think that there will be skiers using kickbacks, especially those who are young and not have been doing that much double pulling training yet. They, they need to improve and, uh, and build up their skills. And, uh, but um, to, see, to see top three skiers uh, other races than Reista and uh, and um, Birken maybe, and then of course you can have these conditions where it's coming 30, 40 centimeters of uh, new snow during the night, and that uh, the um, grip for the pools is not good enough. So then it can be special conditions that is making that uh, you can go with kickbox and still win. And the cold conditions too. You know, it's really really cold. Then maybe maybe and, and as you said. A harder course, maybe then even men can use use kickbacks. What about the kickbacks for, uh, for today? I mean, I think that lots of people out there kind of wa wanted to know what kind of <laughs> that's that's a question that they always have. What should I what should I put? Yeah, a tricky part with this track is the the um, serpentines downhill. So you are taking away quite much kickbacks when you are sliding down. And you need to have a little bit over kick from the beginning to have uh, the possibility to have kick also in the in the end of the race. And uh, conditions was some minus degrees, uh, and uh, it was like a violet uh, dry kick wax with some base wax uh, under. But for those tourist skiers who are finishing now, the we are close to clister conditions. Yeah. And, and what about the double pulling? Do you do you use skating skis or classic skis or double pulling skis? Uh, it's mainly double pulling skis, but they can can have a skating tip and still be double pulling skis. So when people see that ah they are using skating skis, they are wrong. That is uh, special double pulling skis. Yeah. So, so do all skiers have different structures, like the the pattern underneath the skis? Like, how how does it look like? Uh, what did what is the difference if a skier have ten pairs of double pulling skis? What are the differences? The differences are mainly in the structure. How much. Uh uh, how big stone grain you have on them and uh, then you have also the possibility to add uh, some uh, manual structures and uh, that is pretty much what they are what they are using and for cold snow you normally have some some pairs with very very fine grind and uh, they are a bit dangerous to use if it's getting too warm what about uh, today? What kind of a structure? It was like a the hand structure oh. too, you know, the manual one. It was like a medium structure, I, I, I guess, for most of the teams. And um, with maybe 50% had some hand structure and 50% didn't have. Uh, and Eric, you actually skied the course yesterday. Uh, I've done it before, but not this year, the whole course. Kind of your take on it and from uh, based on yesterday's experience that you had and the whole course and the conditions. Well, it's a little bit different conditions throughout the course, but in general, it's it's old snow and fast snow and like it's it's big grains. It's um, it's almost like man-made snow actually. So uh, yeah, fast conditions, a little bit drier up and a little bit more icy down in the valley, but in in general, a fast course, which which also affects the race because. With a higher pace, it's it's tougher to be in the front in the flat sections. Could get so much, get so much wind. So now, the start of the race. When women started 50 minutes before the men, 8:45 this morning. Magna, when you go back there now, mm. 
take it back memory lane. It's not that far behind us. The, everything went pretty much as you expected, or was it, any surprises for you there? No, yeah, it the was quite, quite much like expected. And when we come to the to the big uphill, up to the climbing um, point, the three athletes with Lina, Britta, and uh, Astrid went away, and um, nobody else could follow. Kari Vika in the was fourth girl, uh, and that was also like. Expected maybe the surprise was uh, probably Smutna that was quite far behind at the climbing point, but she improved during the race and ended up quite well. But it was not looking good from the beginning. <clears throat> Were you, Eric, surprised? I mean, you mentioned uh, Kari Bikagenietnis, we'll talk about her, and also Smutna. We don't know if something happened to her, but you're right. I mean, she was quite far behind, yeah. but then towards the end, once again, climbed up and did pretty decent race. Yeah, usually, she's good skier in the long uphills but maybe something happened or she was just at a bad start like her body didn't respond in the beginning i mean in long races a lot of, a lot of things could happen throughout the race and that's what we saw in the women's field also i mean uh, i think uh, the fourth place ida dahl was the fastest skier in the flat sections like she has never been top eight in a visma ski classics race and now she was fourth she yeah, she had a great race, and especially in the flat sections, maybe she had very good skis and a good day. Yeah, and it's uh, very fun and good that we get uh, those younger skiers uh, coming up and uh, getting closer to the, to the favorites. And uh, that we can see in the ladies group now with, uh, with her, also with Emilia Fleten, with Murud, with... Sofia Elebro and so on, that uh, we have talented skiers that will put uh, color to these uh, races in the in the future. So would you say this is pretty much the year of the youth? Not just in the women competition, but Emil Parson, Max Novak. We have so many strong female and male skiers. Yeah, we should be very happy about that. And that is uh, looking good for the future. And I think also that... Uh, Many other young athletes in the cross-country skiing world uh, will uh, get motivation from uh, the wrestles those uh, young skiers are doing and see that this is not a sport only for uh, old skiers that have trained for uh, 15, 20 years. It's uh, possible to climb up quite fast to be a top skier and uh, that's good. Mm. So you don't need to be on this Auckland to do well here. You can be young. Er, Eric, uh, in your country, in Sweden, I mean, is there, kinda, is there something you can detect, you can notice that this kind of trend is, is going, that people are paying more attention to that, considering this as an valuable option? Yeah, I mean, we see in Team Robben is a good example of several athletes that are going into long-distance skiing. I mean, Max Novark, Jenny Larsson, Ida Dahl. And uh, in general, if we look at the standings in Visma Ski Classic, there are a lot of new names. I mean, younger skiers, and I usually it's about the same from year to year. This year it's like a completely different list, uh, which is very good. And as you say, more and more skiers tend to try go for Visma Ski Classic instead of the National Cups and, and World Cup and so on. I think part of the reason is it's so much more fun. <laughs> like. Uh, Almost all athletes that are doing both like World Cup races or the Alpen Cup or Scandinavian Cup or whatever, they say that the long distance skiing community is so much 
it's more fun. The races, it, they are crowded. They are on beautiful courses and so on. So I, it's not all about the sports and about the prize money. It's also about what's fun, actually. Magnar, you've seen kind of the both sides. You've been the head coach for Finland and many, many other countries. And now you've been part of this Muskie Classics family. I mean, you're certainly a person to tell us more about it, you know, kind of the atmosphere and compare. Um, yes, what um, from my side, I, I feel that the long distance skiing is um, very exciting when they start uh, and uh, during the race, uh, many times things are changing. And we have breakaways, catching up, uh, uh, a lot of uh, <coughs> happenings during the during the race, and uh, that is for me more exciting than to see like um, a normal race, uh, 10, 15 kilometer, where you pretty much after three kilometers um, can um, can see what will be the final results in long distance skiing. You. You don't know it until the last 100 meters like we had today. Mm. And also a great thing about our, our skiing, our sport, is the, the beautiful surroundings and the nature. I mean, you ride and walk up, you go just to one place and that's it. And, but here, like today, I mean, it's a perfect example. Everybody kind of likes this place, CFL, and then you go to Loitash Valley. I mean, it's from point A to B. I mean, today was a kind of a loop, but still from point A to B. And anything can happen, as you said, St. Mangra. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the athletes uh, enjoy the course, especially in CFL. They, they love it. They love the, the area and the course. This course has everything. Flat sections, tough downhills, long uphills, steep uphills. Uh, and athletes enjoy this. And um, especially when it's longer, 60K and one loop. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's the, as I said, that's the beauty of it. And now this, the sun is, is up. You know, we started again in kind of a cloudy, overcast conditions, but now, as always, and always, but often, uh, in the Alps, this can happen that you get the uh, bit of a cloudy mornings and then beautiful, uh, sunny, sunny days. And of course, for us Scandinavians, just to come to these places, <laughs> correct, Magnar? I mean, just. To be out here, it's, nothing could be better. I mean, the sun is shining because this particular year has been so grim and dark. I mean, we have to be honest. This is a dream place, a dream <laughs> job to be, correct, man? Yes. You like your job, correct? Yeah, yes, I like my job, but I also like my job. And I'm working in, in, in World Cup and you have an ex exciting tour de ski. And, uh, but to be in the Alps, to have a lot of happy people, skiing and uh, having fun together, uh, it's really great. Indeed it is. But let's go back to the uh, the race. We talked about the first <coughs> part of the race, the climb, pretty much what expected there. Then we had two sprints. The first one at the two, 22 kilometer and then the, the second one a little bit later on, 40, 43 kilometers, if I remember correctly. Um, 41. 41, 41, exactly. Uh, before they started uh, that long climb back up again. Anything you guys want to share there? A little bit, maybe not completely surprising, but it's a little bit there, though. Yeah. I think uh, it was, I mean, Stienberg took the sprint. It was kind of expected, and Max Novak was, was also up there among the men. And for the women, it was more like they didn't really try for it. Like, Britta was leading the field at, at the, the three skiers, and... Uh, Astrid, she just kept on skiing behind Britta and, and Lina did a sprint and got the points, but Astrid didn't try at all. 
Uh, about those sprints, uh, if you look at the men's side, I think that both Emil Persson and Andreas Nygård probably could make yeah. better, but they know that if you take too much lactate uh, in those sprints, you can have a big bill to pay in the end. So it is a, yeah, a little bit to, to consider. Yeah, but they're pretty, usually they're pretty bad at not sprinting. <laughs> like Emil Persson was still fifth in the first sprint that we could see he was like trying a little bit in the beginning, but then he realized, oh, I'm gonna use too much energy mm. and I have a good day. And then he, he just st almost stopped uh, skiing and he... And he put the brake on. Yeah, he put the brake on and he was fifth still and he got some points. He used like some energy to get some points. Yeah. But, uh, that I think we can have in, in this team competition that uh, they want to make some points to the team, but they don't want to go all in to, uh, to get too much lactate. That is a good point because let's think about it. Stian Burke. He won both of them and then 10 minutes behind. <laughs> Isn't yeah. he a good example? Yeah. That's what you just uh, described. Yeah, but that we have seen uh, for many years now. Also with uh, Andreas Nygård in the beginning, he was going all in for the uh, green jersey and um, was not that good in the end of the races. And then he uh, get better and better and come up to the level that he could win the races. And then he had to take it a little bit more easy on the sprints. Speaking of sp uh, sprints, uh, we had them quite far, 22K and then uh, 41K. Do you think it's a good idea to have sprints that far, particularly the second one? 40 kilometers are quite far into the race. Yeah, I, the I, I think it's good in that way that after, when, when you go for a sprint, the whole leading pack is getting more lactate and it's a huge possibility to make breakaways directly after the sprints. That we very many times see that uh, 30 seconds after the sprint, somebody is putting an attack when the uh, athletes are tired. So Loitash Valley, that's where those sprints took place. But and not just that, lots of other action too. Well, we kind of tend to say, oh, but the valley easy part, the, you know, the, the flat part, but... By, by by no means was it easy for the skiers, and we saw a lot of kind of back and forth action there. But could you guys elaborate on that? Well, there were a few skiers that really kept up the pace. It was especially Magnus Vestreim. I think he took most air of, in the whole field today. So Why did he do that? That's a good question. Want some TV time? Um, so Magnus Vestreim, Juartele. Uh, we saw Runar, Tiesen. A little bit of Skauge, Bob Impola as well. Bob Impola, uh, a little bit of Morten, Heide Pedersen. There were a few, four or five, that, yeah, they were in the front quite a bit, and they had, like, small gaps, five seconds at most, but they still kept up a good pace. So the whole valley was pretty fast. It was good pace through the valley, even though all like 37 or 39 skiers kept up, it was, I think it worn the skiers out. Why do you, Magner, why do you think that they, you know, th those guys, but the same guys, Magner, Magner uh, Westerham, you know, why did he do that? Or just uh, all, all teams uh, want to have somebody up in front in case of uh, breakaways. Uh, and uh, of course it's good for the sponsors to show up and for you personally to show that you are you are um, in good shape for, for this day. So uh, this is a part of the game. We expect that uh, those names uh, will be up there doing these things if they have a good day. Mm. Interesting. You mentioned the tactical side. We can understand the kind of the, you know, the, the being in the spotlight in your 15 minutes of uh, fame, but tactically too. 
yeah, and and um, we could see like the the real fight for the for the victory today was uh, starting after the second sprint in the in the men's, um, <clears throat> and Cardin uh, put uh, the high speed in the beginning of the uphill, uh, and Yardal uh, and continued. Still, it was quite many that was able to follow, but also some that was dropping off and was uh, game over. And then the Russian team uh, was um, uh, quite defensive uh, or stayed behind most of the race. But when the uphill started, they put uh, all athletes up in front and uh, they uh, they make quite big damage to, to many athletes. And uh, it was uh, very unlucky and sad that Vukuev was falling and lost his ski because I think we would have seen at least uh, one more very hard attack that maybe could have succeeded in a breakaway with one, two, three, four athletes. And uh, now that didn't happen and we uh, ended up with a must put instead. So Russian winter team is certainly uh, one of the team pro teams that has performed so well this season. Team Rabbit, another one of, of course, are you surprised that they are so good and so many good skiers? We're kind of expecting that to happen. I, yes, when you look at the fist points, you have like a, a, a list where you can see what athletes have done in normal skiing. So we see that there is uh, many athletes with uh, very high capacity. I know that there is some of them will also make World Cup in, in Nove Mesto next weekend, so they have capacity. Uh, and also the staff around them, I see some uh, servicemen from the old uh, Russian team, the coaches are very on. And um, yeah, we have to be very happy that we are getting a strong Russian team and they will be difficult to beat for all the other teams. Yeah. We should also say that it was not only Ermil that fell, he, he, it was also another, I think it was Gribenko also fell, so we lost like two Russians in that, then maybe they would have been like three top ten or we don't know. Yeah. It's always easy to speculate, but you're right. I mean, they could have, and they would have been high up there, high, high, how high, we don't know for sure, but... but Indeed, it is really good to see uh, Russians, good to see, we talked about this earlier, that we get to see young skiers, new faces. This season certainly has been the one where we see so many new faces. And, and it seems to me this is an anniversary year, by the way. This is the 10th, uh, 10 years. We have the 10-year history. And it's really great to see something like this happening now and uh, have different faces, different countries. We have 35 pro teams all together. That's growing as as, as well. And um, anything else you're expecting? Uh, the Russians, uh, Swedes, okay, the Sweden, really good day for them. Uh, for the continuation of the of the season from the from the pro teams. Lucas Bauer's teams have a little bit of a, probably not uh, performing as well as uh, they should. What do you think? Yeah, maybe the results so far haven't been that good, but we know both that Shenuzov uh, and Jean uh, Rod have big capacity, and I'm sure we will we'll see that in the in the next races. And uh, for our team, Team Ragde in Dom, we are waiting much to get uh, Petre Eliasson back again uh, for next weekend in La Diagonela and. Uh, we think that he, if he was in, um, if he was healthy, he, he also would have been there, uh, trying to make a very hard attack in the in the end of the race today. Great that you brought his name up, Petrelles, and we haven't talked about him. Of course, he he wasn't here, but certainly 
had he been here, it would have been a bit of a different, most likely it would have been a different kind of a ball game. Let's speculate, since we're here, we can speculate, we can do whatever we want. Let's speculate. If Petr, on his good day, as you know, Petr at his strongest, what would have happened? What kind of race would have would this uh, yeah it's, it's just to speculate but we have to look back on the last race and that was in uh, Valvenosta in Italy and um, and um, Peter Eliasson made an attack and only Vukoyev could follow and then uh, Vukoyev was able to make a counter-attack and he was the strongest and Eliasson was the second and both of them was uh, not in the in the in the in the race today. So uh, yeah, and it's a short race for Pepe Terelias in uh, Yes, uh, but La Diagonela is long, so we are looking forward to next weekend. Um, what do you think? I, th I think it's today when it was so fast snow, somewhat icy. I think it would have been a hard time to get a gap before the last 15 or 10k. It would have been a big group, and if Eliasson would have been up there taking wind and not getting a gap, I'm not sure he's that strong to to get away in the end. So I think since the snow was so fast, maybe it would have been hard for him anyway. Most likely it would have been hard, but at least on a good day he would have tried. Yeah. That's his strategy, his tactic. Yeah. Uh, he, and he, he didn't even feel that well at Lovenosta. He said it, he felt a little bit you know, off, uh, but still he attacked towards the end and, and finished uh, second. So Petr Eliasen, of course, in your team, let's go back. I mean, after last year, he was um, in Team B and Bank. That's that team's now gone. It's in the history books. Let's go back to that time. You know, how did you did you approach him? Did he pro approach you guys? How did he become part of your great team? Uh, it was like uh, it was not decided if the BN Bank will continue or not. So then the um, friendly speaking was starting, and then uh, I guess that we was uh, one option of uh, probably many. And uh, he decided that he wanted to ski for our team, and we was happy with that, and are happy with that, and are looking forward to uh, some great races uh, together in the in the season and, and hopefully more seasons. Um, and you have four champions in your team. I, th I think you're the only team that, <laughs> that actually has that many champions. You have Petr Eliasson, uh, Andreas Nigord, Turas Yedalen, and of course, uh, 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 Auckland. It's Auckland. Yes, it's um, a lot of, of champions, but uh, when you start a new race, it doesn't matter what you have in the background. It is the performance you have of the day that is uh, making the wrestles list. Uh. Good, but now let's go back to Loitas Valley. So we talked about the sprints, we talked kind of what happened there, a little bit of back and forth games. Uh, then I want to ask you about Kari Vikagen-Yaitnes. She was a little bit behind uh, the three leading girls and it seemed they worked well together and that's what Prita said when Eric uh, interviewed. Um, it was pretty great that when you interviewed her, she said that they, they, they worked well together, but Lena looked strongest even back then. And, and Kari wasn't really that far behind, 20 seconds and so, but then suddenly something happened. She died, correct? Mm, out I, I don't know what happened, but I just uh, followed her from the climb point and saw that she really was fighting very, very hard and she was uh, only 20 seconds behind at the sprint point and she was close to catch up, up, up with them. 
Um, what was interesting was that behind the Kari again, it was a group of uh, Smutna, Fleten and others that was 140 behind. And then uh, they get catched by the men's group and they was able to stay uh, in, the, in the end of the, of the men's group for quite many kilometers. And then uh, they had to drop. And then the men's group was catching uh, the three leading girls and the speed was too high, so they dropped, and then the gap was down to one minute and four seconds. So the, this uh, second group, or third group, if you count uh, Kari, was actually skiing 40 seconds faster than the leading girls because they was staying in the men's group. And then uh, when Lina made uh, the attack, uh, at least I was uh, surprised that, uh, and, and when I saw her performance, to be able to ski alone and catch up the men's group, that was amazing. And uh, it was coming to a quite big gap very fast, and uh, more or less the, the race was over and the, and the winner was... Uh, was ready. <laughs> yeah, that took us, us by surprise as well. It was amazing. I mean, the pace in the men's group was pretty high, and she just caught them. Um, and it was also impressive to see that she she just kept on going in the uphills. Usually, Lena isn't the best uphill skier. Well, she, she won Yuserska, but usually the flat sections is her best, and she was just destroying Britta and Astrid in the uphills. Of course, you got to... She got a good trip behind, uh, first in the men's big group and then together with uh, another skier. Mm. Um, but still, it was very impressive. And she looked fresh all the way. Um, didn't need to work too hard. But it is interesting with the, when the men's field goes together with the women's field and some of the female athletes like to compete alone like without men and some really like to go they like the dy dynamics when when the men are passing or like in Vassal but when they start together it's something different and uh, that is a good word dynamics let's talk about it a little bit because now this is a kind of a good segue to talking about that actually getting the draft you know the drafting uh, from uh, the lead of the men in, in general. Basel is one thing, but even today we definitely saw that happening. While Eric and I were commentating, we expected that we kind of made a point about it that something drastic could happen, uh, which 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 did. Uh, but uh, Magnar, your kind of take on I mean it's it is what it is, of course, and we can I mean women start 15 minutes before and it's always expected we can't have them start you know hours and hours before. So, but what's your kind of take or opinion about it? Uh, it is quite much about the TV time, about uh, logistics to organize the race and so on. But we see many times and maybe the most special is Marcia Longa because it's slightly downhill. We can see that the girls can catch up if they are lucky with a men's group. They can really win a lot of seconds and minutes uh, to be able to stay there and if they are unlucky and skiing uh, alone they are they are losing a lot so so it's an extra extra point in the in the tactic and and what will happen during the race and i, I can hear from the girls that they are more, more and more uh, awake on this that okay where will we be catched by the men's group and if it's low speed maybe we can stay in the group for a while then and so on so I think it's 
It's, it's difficult to have two separate races, so I, I support it. It's, it's better to have the girls starting like 15 minutes be, before. Of course, it can be that uh, the, if the men's group are catching uh, slower girls in dangerous places on the track, that we can have accidents and so on. But it's uh, difficult to avoid everything. Before we wrap up with that particular thought, Vasalo, uh, but that's pretty much the only race that we have men and women racing together starting at the same time do you think that Vasilopet should go for for this what yeah your, your guys certainly i know brita many times talk about this she loves racing like that like one of her goals is to get a good place like in the in the men's race so to say like she has been top 100 kovalchik has been top 100 korskiren has been top 100 there are a few heliniek long ago and she she wants to to beat the record like kovalchik has the best vasalopet place it's i think it's 70, 70 71 72 or something like that yeah and brita wants to beat that that's a, a challenge for her so yeah, but but in Vaslop it's it's a huge race, fifteen thousand participants, and it has so much. It's about tradition. They get this huge start field, so I think the women's start will be at eight o'clock until <laughs> the next century, at least. Ida Dahl. Let's talk about her. One of the surprise skiers, certainly amazing performance. And as you said, uh, Magnar, uh, probably got a little bit of a wind or, you know, benefit uh, from the guys passing and get a little bit of a boost there. But nevertheless, great performance. Fantastic to see when the young uh, skiers are climbing up and probably she had like the uh, very, very good days. Everything was working, uh, perfect shape, perfect skis, uh, and uh, per perfect support during the race. And uh, she had a great, great day. <laughs> and it's some similarities in, in your team and in Ramunden. They both, both Jenny Larson and uh, Nida Dahl, they thought the day before about, hmm, am I going to use kick wax or not? And one choose uh, kick wax and one double pulled. And it was the same on your team with yep. Emily Fleten and, and Tia. Uh, how was your, like, what's, what did they say about this? And, and uh, uh, they, they was, uh, it, it was very easy. Emilia want to, to do double pulling and see it uh, also as uh, training for the future. She's a kind of rookie in, uh, in this long distance and need the training and to improve. And Emilia had a bad day in Valvenosta and decided that next race, if it's uh, okay conditions, I will go with kickbox. And uh, I think she is quite happy with, with her seventh place. And and they're doing their first year in Visma Ski Classic. What would you expect? Would you expect to be the, like next year they have double pulled more in the summer and then they will reach? They have double pulled a lot this summer also, but uh, each year of uh, training will uh, bring them forward. So like expected is maybe to be uh, this season in places five to, to eight, and then you have some days uh, where the body is uh, working fantastic, the skis are working fantastic, and you can be close to the podium, and another time it's uh, uh, working the opposite way, and you are in 12th position, so that is 
pretty much what we can kind of wait for the season, I think. Yeah. And it'll be an interesting season. Then after Lotus Valley, okay, the, lots of action happened there. Lina's a great uh, performance or the attack there. But then the, the final hills started. There's a really steep hill right after the Lotus Valley. Let's go back there a little bit, uh, both uh, in the women's and the men's competition. Eric, your take. Yeah, so as we said before, the men, the 37 skiers turned out to be 15 skiers uh, pretty quickly. Jared Allen was strong, Oscar Cardin was strong, uh, as Spagnar mentioned before, and, and the Russians kept up the pace. Unfortunately, Ermil fell, but it is, there are so many strong skiers, the conditions are fast, it's, it's hard to get away. It is because they have been resting all those skiers. Like, the guys we mentioned that, that, that did a lot of work on the flat sections, like Bobimpola, Magnus Westerheim, Uartiele, and so on, they all dropped off. So they were done. So the skiers that stepped up, they were fresh, and they're all fresh, and they they can manage a hill that's like, I think it's 200 height meters in less than four kilometers. They, they're strong enough, so it's, it's, it is very hard to, to get away. So Magna, did your trained eyes spot anything unusual? There was pretty much business as usual once they hit the, the last the part of the course. No, no I, those athletes we expected to be up there. They was there, but then Eddie Pedersen was up in the front trying a little bit. Yardal then tried several times. We saw the Russian team was coming up. So we was just uh, waiting for for uh, more more attacks from the Russians and would have liked to see Eliasson in that position, but uh, we, we, he is sick, so it was not uh, possible. <laughs> Did you guys talk about that as Russians? Did you expect them to, to attack? And yeah, I, I, we've talked about that, uh, that uh, Vukoyev is uh, uh, one of the biggest favorites of the day, and uh, the race they did uh, two weeks ago when Valvenosta was showing that the other athletes are also uh, with uh, very high capacity and then we have started to check the track record with the uh, fist points and what they have done in normal skiing and then we see that, wow, this is a really strong team. Um, Eric and I, we saw your team uh, team members uh, just before the race, they seemed really focused, uh, but what did you guys talk about the day before? Um, what kind of things? Now you can re reveal a little bit more, go behind the curtains, uh, the backstage. What did you guys talk about? What kind of strategy did you cook up with this particular race? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, like you are He have the position that he if he is in good shape for the day, he should try to stay up in the front and, and helping other athletes in our team if uh, if needed and. Uh, he dropped a little bit in the first uphill, but then he was um, catching up with the group and he was like uh, really doing good work with uh, being up there, some small attacks. And uh, for Nygård is to to uh, try to have control and uh, to survive the, the hard uphills and to, to go for a for a victory in the in the end of and for Yerdal and it is that he know that his uh, strong side is uh, double pulling uphill so he used that and Cardin was maybe a little bit unsure about the 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 shape and he was also using quite much energy to help the team to get points for the for the team competition and uh, get a little bit uh, more tired than he expected in the in the last uphill. <laughs> We, in the beginning of the race, like the first uphill, we could see Andreas Nigord being 
in the front a lot of time and it seemed like he skied pretty slowly. Was he up there to slow the pace down or what was he doing? That I don't think to slow down, but they want to not stay too uh, far behind to be if there is coming like really hard attacks from the beginning. So he have the speed in his body and can be up there. And then I think it was good that he did it that way. It's always interesting to see kind of the tactics that, that you guys <laughs> come up with a day before. Um, then after the Russians attacked, then of course, Vokuev uh, Ermel had that uh, uh, miss. Fortunate uh, incident, uh, fell down, broke his pole, lost his key and so forth, and also Grebenko, both of those. Uh, then towards the end, by the time they reached the stadium area, lots of guys together. Then at that time, Magna, did you, what did you feel? at that time. Ah, oh, no, Nico is there. Yes, I felt that uh, oh, this is a good position. Uh, this is a good possibility. Uh, it will probably be Nygaard, uh, Emil, uh, Max Novak or Holgård. That was like the four favorites I had for the for the finish, uh, finish line. Uh, and it was not too, too far away. <laughs> but uh, for, for me, this was it, it, it was like uh, something really happened when the sprint here. Like, Nygaard is usually the very favorite in all sprints like this. He has won so many races exactly like this. And, uh, well, Emil has won before, but then Nygaard was a little bit behind. This time, Emil really beat Nygaard, and it was a, a fair a fair game. And maybe this was kind of a game changer. Uh, can be, but I know that uh, Nygaard will be very eager and motivated to uh, strike back again. In, uh, in the next sport, so that is, uh, we are looking forward to the next races. Mm. And of course, La Diagonela has a long, long uh, climb. It's not like this one. It's a very different ending, yeah. endings. And also for all the people out there listening to our podcast, please, please send us some questions. Anything you have about long distance skiing, Visma Ski Classics, about Mangner, maybe or his team or any of the teams, please do send us uh, your questions. You can podcast at skiclassics.com. That's the address. And I think we also should mention uh, Marcus Johansson from Lager 157 ski team. I mean, he has been in the circuit for so long. He was fourth in Lavigno, just like a few centimeters from the podium. And now she, he finally reached the podium and he's been top three, three races in a row. He has never been in this shape. Uh, it, and you saw in the end of the race, he also kept up the pace. He was up in the front there, and he, he seems like he have done a lot of good things. Seems like the training season have went very well, and uh, he have uh, come up to a to a new new level, and um, will probably be up there for the rest of the season. It seems like because he had a very good summer training, and then he injured his knee, so he would train on a double pulling machine for like a month. He would do like a four hour workout on this uh, double pulling machine and just doing that training in strength. And then he came to to the races and in great shape. Mm. And also I'd like to uh, uh, talk about a little bit about Vetle Tuli. 
I mean, he still hasn't been on the podium, but really strong season for for him. Fourth, fourth again today, fifth in Livigno. And Magna, you have said before that he probably has one of the strongest kind of a engine, the capacity, and he's really strong in a shorter distances and yeah. tough, tough courses. That, that's based on the on the results when you see them ski in uh, Norwegian qualification races or Scandinavian Cup and so on. That uh, and also in the roll ski races, uh, definitely he has. He have high capacity, and um, now we have Marcus Johansson climbed up to the podium, and Vettle uh, is also one of these skiers that uh, probably have a great uh, future in, in long-distance skiing. Of course, there are many, many of those wonderful skiers that have a <laughs> or could have a future in this great sport. Speaking of that and this great sport of ours, we have my pages. Let's talk about that a little bit, uh, because any one of you out there listening to this uh, podcast, you can join us. You can become a skier. You can jo uh, join uh, and sign in to the my pages and become a, or be a skier and get points. And uh, if you do that, let's actually take a look at the little bit of the um, you know the points because we have the ranking. We have the ranking. In the, uh, the my, my pages, uh, Eric. By the way, I think you are also so you have signed in, correct? Yeah, I see here my <laughs> my ranking and a picture of me, and I can fill out where my skis, boots, and uh, I also see my races here. All my races, like way back in time. It's kind of interesting to get the statistics of all all the races, and you can get pins and things like and and. Uh, I mentioned the ranking. So now we have kind of this interesting ranking, by the way, Mangran, you get to talk about that a little bit for your, your kind of take on that. But the ranking itself is now very different from what we had before. It's a gender equal. And that is within the my pages. So if you sign in, you will be ranked uh, as well. And each gear uh, will, of course, you get points. And that's based on the kind of the time difference between uh, uh, the winner and the podium uh, will give you a skier points uh, to uh, 200,000 points to the winner. Second place gets uh, 100,000 points and third place 40,000 points. And then of course we also get points uh, from the uh, challenger races. We have 27 of those and uh, you the ranking is for two years, 24 months. And uh, you get to pick uh, or have your, your 20 best races there so it's very interesting and definitely a good way for everyone to join and and be part of the you know the family you just need to do pro a pro tour or challenge races so you have quite many to select from and of course our pro team uh, athletes uh, all of them pretty much will select one because you can get points you can get those valuable 50 points if you win a race that go towards your Hirsch championship but Magnar, what do you think? It's a different different kind of uh, ranking that we have women, men and women competing against each other. Yeah, uh, I'm maybe not too much into this uh, ranking systems. I, I follow the, the races and, uh, and uh, who is uh, winning and who is on the, on the top and uh, those uh, more behind. I, I think it's good for them to to find their skills, to see what is, uh, is are they improving and, and so on. But for uh, the real top athletes, they are looking for who is ranked number one, two, three, four. And then when you come to fifth, uh, eighth, 12th place, it uh, doesn't matter so much for these elite skiers. Um, 
but it's a big thing for uh, many other skiers, recreational mm. skiers, oh. to kind of see where you ranked among the, the, the cream of the crop. And uh, while you're listening to this podcast, uh, we have many other ones that you can also join and find lots of information like Auckland Method and your your teams, uh, uh, Anders Auckland and Jürgen Auckland, they have their own podcast. They talk about training and things like that. Uh, Vasa Lopet podcast, Eric Papriuz, he's in... Fast, I put the, uh, uh, Eric, you are in the business pretty much. I mean, you know, at least in your country. Yeah, I li- I've listened to all Vasapodden. I've listened to Aklamatudin. I have an own pod- podcast, Lagon Kondekun, about skiing. Not so much about ski classics, but I can really recommend those Vasapodden uh, and Aklamatudin. I don't think Magnar have reached uh, the, the word of podcasts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not yet, but for me, it's perfect while driving or, or while training so and uh, they analyze uh, races and they talk about training but it is in Sweden and Norwegian so so it's kind of hard to understand for some people Manga, do you have any any podcast any any or any place where people can get information about training because that is often a question that a lot of recreational skiers semi professional skiers have how no. do i how should i train yeah no i i don't have but uh, anders and jürgen have auckland podden and that is uh, um, a pod i really can recommend they are talking about everything about training about uh, nutrition about uh, skiing waxing and and so on so there's a lot of information for people to catch up with if they want to find the information Indeed, we are living in the world of information. This is the information age. Let's take a look at the standings and, of course, today's results. Eric, I see you have them uh, in front of you. I'm going to go through today's race first. Uh, so the, in the women, uh, the first five skiers, Alina so Koskren, of course, was the winner. We talked about her amazing performance. Then Britta Johansson-Nugren was three minutes and 11 seconds behind her uh, on second place. Third one was Astrid Ödes Lindin Kuteng, three minutes and 33 uh, seconds behind. Then Ida Dahl, the really good performance from her, five minutes and 22 seconds. And then Katarina Smutna, six minutes and five seconds. And then it was Kari Koret Karibi Kagnietnes. Was she six, if I remember correctly? Uh, then in the men's race, the first five, Emil Persson, of course, not the surprise winner anymore. That was his second victory this season, followed by and- Andreas Nigord. He was only point one second, 0.1 second behind. So it was a really tight fight there. And as Magna said, uh, he is, Andreas is eager to turn the tables, Kamla Diagonela, but that's a week away. Uh, Marcus Johansson, Finally on the podium, uh, 0.4 seconds behind. And then Vedle Tuli, fourth again, 0.8 uh, seconds behind. Stian Hölgard, 1.1 second behind. Again, a really solid performance from him. And then uh, Jedalen uh, was sixth, you know. I think he has like, what, three, six places this year, Jedalen? I mean, he's like constantly sixth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, he, he is also looking forward to La Diagonella next weekend. Again. And, Indeed. And I think uh, 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 he really tried quite hard today to, to make a uh, breakaway And uh, maybe if he was staying behind in the pack, he could have made better in the end. But uh, we um, we want to be offensive and to try to make breakaways. So I'm happy with that. Mm. 
And Eric, you have the standings there. Yes, and for the yellow bib, Britta Johansson-Nurgren is still in the lead, 640 points, ahead of Astrid Eideslin, 575 points, and then Katarina Smutna is third, Lina Korsgren is fourth, and Kari Vikhagen-Jeitnes is in fifth place. And then what about the men's? Can you pull that? And among the men, so we have Emil Persson with the uh, with yellow bib and Morten Ede Pedersen in second place. He's uh, 54 points behind. And we have then Vettel Tilly, Stian Hölgård and Marcus Johansson. So Emil is 54 points ahead of Morten. Will he have that after the next race? Yeah. Morton didn't have a good day today. Good and good and good. I mean, he was ninth, but uh, not that far behind. But uh, point-wise, he's not happy, and he didn't want this to happen and see this uh, this happening. But it's it remains really really tight there. But it's also very interesting to see that the women's as well. What's the when you look at it, uh, Eric? What's the, the point difference? It is the it's very tight between Katarina Smutna, Lina Korsken and Kari Vikhagen-Jeitnes. They're so close, just five points between those three. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's early on in the season. It, it could be, so much could happen. I, I think it's, um, um, it will come um, changes. Uh, and uh, when we come to Marcia Longa after two more races, then we will see more clearly on the men's side who is fighting for the for the yellow bib on the ladies side the, the, before the season everybody was expecting that uh, okay it will probably be about uh, Britta and Astrid and then we started the season Britta was winning and aha Britta again and then next race Astrid had a great performance and was very much stronger than everybody else and today we saw number three with uh, Lina Korsgren also coming up and she can also be up there fighting for the yellow bib in the, in the end and it was interesting to see that she also was fighting for all the sprint points uh, today and took a lot of sprint points uh, so the game is on for the yellow bib. So that's Andreas Nico still have a fighting chance? Yes, yes, that I think. What about Peter Eliasson? Uh, difficult when uh, he have uh, are missing races now, so uh, um, then he need to make a, a very strong row of uh, top uh, places. Uh, but uh, still, men's class, I think we will uh, have big changes. Um, Move on to the, uh, the youth categories. Yeah, and it's exciting. Ida Dahl is leading ahead of Tia Krukan-Murud and Jan Larsson, but I mean, it's it's only 29 points between those three. It's 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 so even. It's very interesting. I mean, Anastasia Rigalina is in fourth place. She was in first place after La Venosta. So, yeah, it's it's very exciting competition that the the pink bib for the women. Mm. And then the men. In the men, we have Emil Persson in a huge lead ahead of Max Novak and Alexander Grebenko. And uh, I mean, of course, if Emil Persson is skiing like he's doing yeah, right now, he's leading by over 200 points. So, but I mean, Max Novak is, was also in the sprint today and he was way up in La Venosta, so yeah. And this is certainly something we've been talking talking about the, the the kind of the power of youth that we've seen this particular season. Then the sprint, can you pull out the sprint? Yes, and there we have 
Britta Johansson Norgren, but just three points ahead of Lina Korsgren. I mean, Lina took both sprints today and... So that remains really open, that yeah. particular fight. Astrid Eideslin is in third place, but some bit behind. And in the men's category, Stienberg is 123 points. He, I mean, he won also both the sprints today, and it looks good. Oskar Kardin in second place, Max Novak in third place. Um, we'll see what Max Novak and Oskar Kardin will do. I mean, Stienberg is not really fighting for the, the yellow bib. I mean, Oskar Kardin and Max Novak are very good finisher skiers, so to say. Yeah. That is actually a good question for you, Magna. Oskar is in your team. What do you think? It, which direction should he go? Uh, the most important is to have the uh, fight for a podium place in the end of the race that's uh, more important than the, um, than the green bib and uh, what I saw today uh, Stian Berg was uh, he was really the best sprinter and I keep him as a big favorite to, to take this. So you don't have a skier on your team that's like he's supposed to take the sprint points? Nope. They're all so strong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, climb bib for women. Uh, Astrid Erislin has a pretty, not big lead, but 19 points ahead of Britta Johansson-Nurien and then Emily Fleten in uh, third place. Uh, and for the men, climbing bib, Morten Ede Pedersen has a pretty big lead here ahead of Andreas Holmberg and Chris Andre Jespersen. I mean, it was the top three today, top three in the ranking. Uh, uh, Pro team. Yeah. Competition. And Lager 157 ski team, they have, they have 720 points ahead of, uh, and they are ahead of Team Kuteng with 630 points and ahead of Team Ragde Eindo with 560 points. Yeah. So Magna, when you're looking at that list now, you guys are third, you know, what's kind of, what does it, when you look at it, how do you feel? We, we, we have to try to improve, but uh, we, we have also to, to notice that the team competition have changed a little bit this year. Earlier it was two men and one girl counting, and now there is two girls and two men. And that is right, but that is making like big, uh, big changes. And the earlier Lager 157 have made a lot of points with uh, Britta in the ladies and have problems in the men. But now they have like today they have first place and third place, so they are really the the favorites for the team competition. And Koteng with two strong uh, women Astrid and uh, and uh, Kari Vika in Yetnes, so it will be. It will be hard to climb from third place, but of course we will try. Mm. And it's a long season. We still have many, many races. And we should also mention that in the Visma Alp Trophy for women, Britta Johansson-Nurgen is in the lead, and the Visma Alp Trophy for the men, Emil Persson, is in the lead. And we also should mention that tomorrow at noon, CET, Central European Time, will get the updated uh, ranking and standings and all and that. tomorrow means... <laughs> Tomorrow meaning, of course, Monday, since we are now here right after the race, meaning Monday, which is... January uh, 13th. Yeah, actually, no, no, but it's Monday. Today, see, today is uh, Saturday, tomorrow is <laughs> Sunday, Monday. Monday this week, uh, whenever you're listening to this, Monday, the date is then... And of course, the reason for the Monday date is always Mondays. Mondays noon Central European time is that we also waiting for results from the challenger races. And we noticed that after last weekend that those two races, Barcelona, China, and uh, uh, Kraft Ski Marathon in Sweden, 
pretty much changed the, you know, the, the situation there in the standing. Yeah, and we, we had a change for the Vasilopachain and Kraft Ski Marathon, and also Katarina Smutna got some points there after Lavinosta. What, what do you think about mixing in challenger points in the Pro Tour? I think it's good, a uh, little bit complicated to find like the place in the calendar, traveling and uh, service for the race and so on. But uh, most of our athletes will will uh, do a challenger race to to get some extra points. Um, and it's good for those events, you know, to ha yeah. have you guys really. there uh, selecting and picking up uh, good races. Mm. Good. Speaking of races, we have more races to come, of course, and we have been talking about the next one. So let's, before we wrap up, talk about La Diagonela in Switzerland, 65-kilometer race, the Engadin Valley, beautiful, perfect place, but very different from this one again. Magna, let's start with you. Your take on that particular race and your expectations. Ah, it's a fantastic uh, uh, track, La Diagonela, starting in Sous, going up to St. Moritz, uh, very beautiful. Uh, turning back, going to Pontresina, and then uh, then back again. It's a challenging track. Um, it's high altitude that is having some uh, some effect. Uh, and that uh, the big engines normally have an advantage uh, in in that race. And uh, I think it will be a tight race again. And and uh, the spectacular uh, last three kilometer with slightly uphill is uh, normally normally spreading out and uh, the athletes are always very very tired when they come to finish in La Diagonela. Because <laughs> it is a high altitude race yeah. uh, once again the course may not be the toughest there are some nice climbs and we have a bit of a change there as well. San Moritz a famous famous uh, place there lots of people seen the James Bond films and uh, San Moritz right now the lake hasn't frozen up yet so uh, we need to do a little bit of a detour there not cutting the race much it's still about 63 kilometers or so eric what are you expecting from the next one no i mean it, the finish of the race as magnar mentioned is uphill so i think it suits like for the women it's really hard to tell because sometimes astrid is the best uphill skier today lena was the best uphill skier Br britta could be the best uphill skier in relatively short uphill or not that steep and so i think any of them could win it's very hard to tell but in the men's field i would say uh, Yerdalen could be really strong there. He showed today. He has some. He has some gas, and I, I think it could be the race for for Yerdalen actually. And we have Petr Eliasson back as much. Yeah, of course, Petr Eliasson. So many times, and that race will take place on Saturday, January 18th. Uh, women will start at 9:15 Central European time, and men 15 minutes later, 9:30 uh, local time, Central European time. La Diagonella and Kaiser Maximilian Love, both of these events share at least one thing in common. They both replaced another race. They kind of became uh, from uh, out of the blue, from scratch. Uh, and both of them have become really, wouldn't call institutions, but really established events and races. And Munger, 
What's kind of your take from from that? These are new races. Yeah, that's good. Uh, and both races are in fantastic places with uh, very good uh, conditions for skiing. It's a lot of uh, hundreds of kilometers of ski track, and this is like the uh, centrum for uh, for cross country skiing. All people are interested about cross country skiing, so it's uh, it's great to be down in the Alps in this part of the year. The light, the sun. The snow, the exciting races. Uh, we we are, we are looking very much forward to to continue the season. Um, and Switzerland, of course, is a beautiful country, but it could be a little heavy on your wallet. So, <laughs> uh, Magnar, yeah, you guys not stay. You staying and living here, correct? Yeah, Livigno have been kind of a home place for us. Uh, we have some uh, hotels, some friends who are helping us. Uh, we can. Uh, have a good discount uh, on uh, food and uh, and uh, living, so we are saving quite much on the budget to to stay in living compared to to go to to Switzerland. It's uh, they have another economy and. Uh, when you have a quite big team, uh, maybe around uh, 10 to 15 people, then uh, week after week with uh, costs, uh, you have to you have to calculate. So based on today's race, uh, both of you, please give me your predictions on the podium skiers. Let's start with uh, Eric first. La Diagonella podium skiers in the men's and the women's competition. Okay, start with women. I would say Britta number one and. Uh, Astrid Lind number two, and Emily Fleten, number three. And in the men's race, I would say Petri Liesen, number one, Gerdalen, number two. And then for number three, I would say uh, Morten Ady Pedersen. Interesting. Magnar? Uh, that is a tricky point for me, because that um, I don't like to to make guessings about uh, next weekend and to make rankings uh, between my own athletes. So I just say that uh, I hope the best man and woman will win. Mm. Very diplomatic answer. And, and I will continue the, your th uh, train of thought and say we will most likely see more surprises. That's going to be the name of the game this season. Lots of surprises. But guys, really, really get great to have you here. Nice to talk to you guys about the, this wonderful sport of ours, this particular race. Uh, the action will continue after La Diagonela. We, of course, have the classic, uh, legendary Macha Longa, then another race in Italy, Topla Cortina, then the Iseska Padesatka. That will then end this five weekend stretched. Bit of a break, then Vasa Lope, the king of the ski races, as they say. Again, a bit of a break, and then Birke Bainerenet, another classic, a legendary race in Norway. Uh, then Reisteloped in Norway as well, the really, really tough course. And then the final. Ulas Levi in Finland. That also seems to be a really, you know, it's a new race, but uh, lots of people, you know, lots of skiers like that particular place, correct, Manner? Yes. Good. Indeed. Thank you guys very much for Thank coming. You. And you out there, guys, listening to this, stick around and remember La Diagonela is next weekend. And hey, stay healthy, go out and exercise and enjoy life. <laughs> <laughs>